0: The weekly message from Angel of Joy Lutheran Church, an ELCA congregation located in Lufkin, Texas. Pastor Paul Guy and the family of Angel of Joy invite you to join us for worship at ten fifteen AM on Sunday mornings. If you should find yourself in our neighborhood, please enjoy this message and visit our website at angelofjoy.org. Dear friends in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In case you're wondering why I say that, um, you'll find that at the beginning of several of St. Paul's letters when he wrote to the believers at Corinth and Rome and wherever. And we carry that legacy down. You are dear friends in Christ. Today is the day of the Transfiguration. Before church, Frank Hardy asked, "What banners should go up?" And we didn't have one designated specifically for the Transfiguration. And I said, "Ah, just we'll let the light of Christ in the Christ candle shine in the place of the banners today." And then he told me something. What did you say? If anyone asked, you'd say it was my fault. Oh, with Sandy. (laughs) And what did I say? She's in a good mood today. It's her birthday. (laughs) All right. Well, the Transfiguration is one Sunday a year, and it just memorializes that particular event when Jesus and three of his disciples went up on a mountain. It was reminiscent of what we heard in the first reading as well, where Moses came down after talking to God. And his face was all shiny and glowing. And at other occasions too, when he was by himself and God, he'd come out and it was kind of like he was so full of the light of God that it just spilled over from his very countenance. It's kind of like when you get a a loving couple together, like... Oh, like Manuel and Sybil. And if you look at that, when they're looking at each other, their eyes lock. They just glow with affection. That's a neat thing for people to have. And I think that sort of is what was behind the glowing of Moses. Part of it, of course, the bigger part, is the holiness of God. Something apart. Something apart. But it spilled over. But it also has to do with the affection. God loved Moses, you know, in the same way that he loves you and me. There were times he got a little ticked off at Moses. And that's why Moses didn't get to go to the promised land, we heard or we read in the Bible. Because there was one time that Moses was told to do something and he did something else. And God said, I'm not going to forget that. But he also wanted Moses to know that he never forgot how much Moses meant to him. Well, anyway, that was talking about an encounter with holiness, the holiness of God that made Moses radiate from it. Second lesson didn't really touch on that, but then the gospel told us about that day when Jesus and the disciples were up there on the hillside or the mountain. Most was probably a small mountain because it didn't take them long to get up there. And then, Grace, it's it, it's a good thing. It's a good story, really. It's not like a sunburn. It, it's anyway. What ha- what I wanted to say is that. When those three disciples, those privileged ones, were up there, Jesus started to glow. And maybe it was that sense that he was closer to God on the mountain because God liked to hang out on mountaintops, apparently, according to some of the writers of the Old Testament and the New Testament. He was suddenly conversing with two people, Moses and Elijah, talking about the future. Now, there are two things about Moses and Elijah. First off is that Moses and Elijah were reputed, especially in Jewish history, never to have actually died. Remember Elijah, how he went to heaven? Does anyone remember? Yeah, he rode a, a Chevy Travel All. No, it's not right a flaming chariot he went to heaven in a chariot he never actually keeled over and died and moses we don't know we're told that he died but nobody saw it because when he was up on mount nebo and from the distance he could see the promised land over the jordan river they'd been wandering for 40 years in the wilderness and god said now it's time to go time for your people to cross over and take possession of the the land of milk and honey, the land of Canaan. But you're not going, Moses. And so Moses went apart on that mountain and nobody saw him again. The Bible says that he died and God buried him, but there are traditions that said just like Elijah, Moses went to heaven right then and there in, the, in his body. But there's another thing about that story that's this. Moses was the great teacher. He was the lawgiver. He was the one that received those Ten Commandments and he brought them down and he added to them, giving other laws to the people so that they would be a unified people. They would have those statutes by which they would live well together and flourish in the new land. He was also the one that taught them. And tradition says that Moses wrote much of the the Torah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That Moses was the author of that. He was the teacher. He was the rabbi. Moses was a rabbi. And Elijah, as a prophet, served as a rabbi too, instructing the people how to live together, how to be in communion with God, how to interpret what God is saying. He was a rabbi too. Another word for rabbi in English is teacher. And how many times did people call Jesus that title teacher? When Mary Magdalene saw the risen Jesus in the garden... After his death, when he arose on Easter, she thought at first that he was the gardener. Remember that? But then when she saw who it was, she, she said, "Rabuni," which is the dialect for rabbi, teacher. Jesus was a teacher. He taught the people not the ways and means of the Old Testament, but he taught them about the heart and the mind of God. He taught them about being in relationship with God, not according to rules, but according to spirit. He taught them how to be compassionate with each other and with God. So there they were, the three premier teachers or rabbis of the Bible, of human history, gathered together, talking animatedly together. And those disciples, who were also, another thing you can say about disciples is that they were students. They were sitting there watching. They were observing. They were sucking it all in. Even as sleepy as they were, Their eyes could not close because they were so captivated by the sight of this. How they knew it was Elijah and Moses, who knows? Because Elijah and Moses had been dead and gone for between 900 and 1,300 years. They didn't have any painters to capture their likeness. They had no cameras, no pictures. How would they know? That's one of the mysteries of that event is how did those disciples know who Jesus was talking to but they knew they knew and they were so captivated by it that it says that Peter didn't even realize what he was saying when he said lord i'll make three booths three nice places for each one for each of you to to be comfortable to spend the night and let this carry on tomorrow as well this wonderful gathering of the, the premier rabbis. Jesus didn't have to say, no, that won't be necessary. Because in an instant, Jesus was all alone again. And the glow started to fade. But that was okay because they couldn't stay up on the mountain. Peter would have liked it and I dare say if we were there we would have liked it too we would have been pretty much taken aback by it all those unusual events strikingly unusual events we would have been caught up in the holiness and the awe of it and even the joy of being that close to those three paragons of Jewish history but they couldn't stay there and neither can we There's a movie back in 1954. It was old and black and white. It was a B movie or maybe even a C movie if they have such a thing. But it was a movie that some of you might have seen and probably if you saw it you've long since forgotten it because it was so inconsequential. But it was about this fella who in that era was looking for uranium. People thought if you could find uranium, it would be like finding gold. You could get rich quick, selling it to the government for all of their bombs and what have you. It was called The Atomic Kid. And, oh, I've just, just got to ask because I'm curious. Do any of you remember that movie? It was a movie starring that wonderful actor, one of the best actors of all times. His name was Mickey Rooney. Mickey Rooney was out digging for uranium or trying with a Geiger counter going tick, 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 tick. And he came across this community with houses. And there's nobody around, but he went inside one of the houses and there were people sitting around the dinner table and these people were mannequins. They weren't real people, but they were all sitting there and the homes were all laid out with couches and what have you. And, and he thought, how cool is this? And I'm pretty hungry, but the food is paper mache and it wasn't edible. And then he heard this loudspeaker warning that the bomb was about to be dropped, and it was a test site, and the atomic bomb was dropped. And somehow he survived. I don't remember anymore in the movie if, how he managed not to be killed by it all, but what happened was when the the everything ended... The radiation had him glowing. Now, I don't remember a lot about that because it was too far-fetched to be just plumb honest. I mean, if you get drenched in radioactive material, you're not just going to glow, you're going to be in big trouble. But there were the disciples and they were so close to Jesus who was glowing and it was not a dangerous glow. It was a good glow and they caught it and they thought, wow, this is the best thing that we've ever seen. And we've seen a lot. But this is great. This is a good thing. And in Jesus, they knew it meant life. Ultimately, it did not mean life for Jesus because as the Son of God He said and did things that got some people pretty annoyed and they put Him to death. But He rose again. Well, ultimately the disciples and Jesus did come down from the mountain and they carried on and did all the things they were destined to do. Sometimes I think it was not altogether clear what they were deemed reliable enough to do the disciples but they were those first evangelists they were the first missionaries they spread the word and the world was transformed now I have to tell you sitting around the, the table during the adult Sunday school class today we realized the world still has a ways to go redemption means that our destiny is secure thanks to Jesus Jesus Thanks to God's redeeming love. But the world, let's hope the world can be a lot better than it is. Even in our own lives, we still struggle against all kinds of things. But this is a dangerous world where there is so much rampant hatred and brutality. The world has a lot of misconceptions about God. Some don't even believe in God, some don't believe in Jesus. The world has a long way to go. The world still needs to be transformed, needs to be bathed in the light of a loving God and a redeeming Savior. So we have a glimpse of the future. Maybe some of the fallout from Jesus has touched us. I like to think it has. I like to think the Holy Spirit has been been infused within us. I like to think that we have a stake in the future, you and me. We can change the world, perhaps only in a small way, but it's a small way that counts. And if not for you and me, then what hope is there in the future? And who is going to know about Jesus? In any case, that transfiguration experience was something that was pretty much beyond all belief. They never had seen anything like that before, and they wouldn't see that again. It was just one of those you-have-to-have-been-there experiences that could only make sense, I guess, after the resurrection. But that's where you and I are. We're in the after-resurrection time. We're in the time of knowing and transforming the world ourselves. And you can do it. You can start right here in this church. I'd like to think that It's not beyond our possibilities to have every seat in this church filled or to have a choir singing on Sunday morning. Thank goodness and thank you for Terry that we have a children's choir that's going to be singing. But I would like to see us grow and I would like to see our members come maybe not once a month, but twice a month or three times a month. Not because it's the thing to do, but because that's who we are. We are the transformers. Jesus was transfigured on a mountain. He's touched each one of us. And what happens in the future falls out from that. So it's important on this Sunday, the Sunday of the Transfiguration, that we come together, we hear the Word, and we find out once more that you and I are capable. You and I have been blessed. And you and I have a task at hand. Spread the word. Fill the seat next to you next Sunday. And in the meantime, know that even if you have stinky feet, Jesus died for you because He loves you. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please provide feedback on the iTunes podcast page and visit our website at angeljoy.org for more information.